Jeffrey Wittenhagen, and I am the CEO and co-founder of Premium Edition Games. So uh, we are a physical publishing company, um, similar to other companies like Super Rare Games and Limited Run Games. We do small batch releases of Nintendo Switch games. Um, we're a little bit slower than your average company. Uh, basically, we're not pushing out games every week or so. You're going to see games from us come out in batches of about two or three max every six months or so. Um, our first two releases that we did so far that are out are Super Blood Hockey and the Pigeon Dev Games Collection. Um, our games, though, don't just come like a retail Nintendo Switch release, but everyone comes in a slipcase and sleeve. So right off the bat, when you see ours, it has that you know, NES-style aesthetic, and then you have amazing art that gives it a big premium feel, like almost like a box release. So we try to stand out a little bit by doing things a little bit differently. Um, and actually somebody, before we started recording, uh, commented on the patches. Well, we actually do the patches as part of our challenges that we do with our releases. So essentially inside of our games, not only do we have a full color manual double-sided artwork on here, there's also a challenge card in here. And the card on the back, the developer created a challenge that you play. When you get that, you follow the instructions, which is basically tag us on social media, and we will mail you a patch for free. So this one for the Pigeon Dev Games Collection would be the Greedy Peas, which is one of the four games that are on here. Um, we also try to do things that have never been done. So for example, within our retro editions, where we have you know, NES style aesthetics, we have a horizontal steelbook that we did. And not only is it tactile, has the innards of a CRT television, which is pretty cool, but also it's one of the first horizontal only uh, Nintendo Switch steelbooks that has come out so far. And we're trying to do little things like that. Um, now I mentioned with Pigeon Dev Games Collection, it's a multi-application card. And on the Nintendo Switch, a multi-application card means there's multiple games on one cartridge. And when you put that cartridge in, four games pop up. So not only do you get Awesome P1 and 2, but you get a game called Bucket Knight, which is like Contra, and then Explosive Jake, which is like Bomberman as bonuses, and they all pop up on there simultaneously, all made by the same developer, which is Pigeon Death. Um, the, all the developers that we worked with thus far have been indie developers, so they literally create games as a hobby or have released them on Steam and on the Switch eShop but they haven't necessarily gotten their stuff out on a physical medium as of yet. So the interesting piece is, is being able to preserve these games physically to be played at a later date. Um, some of the terms that you'll see thrown around in the uh, collector circles as well as the preservation circles is complete on cart. So essentially what complete on cart means is that you want the final version of the game on the cartridge so when you put it in and say there's no eShop anymore, the servers are down, you want the latest and the greatest version, the best patch on there. Um, the interesting piece is, is that the only way to get some of our releases is going to be on our cartridge. So for example, our first release, Super Blood Hockey, 
When they did the lot check, which is how Nintendo checks the different ROM pieces and they're doing like a bunch of bug testing and things, um, they found a lot of errors in it, which was interesting because Super Blood Hockey's been on the eShop for two years. And so our version is a separate ROM, a separate code for that game. And the developers can choose that, whether they want to be able to put in the cartridge and you can use your old saves or they want a new version. And so our version of Super Blood Hockey on the cartridge is actually the most bug-free, the most stable version of Super Blood Hockey to be played on the Nintendo Switch, which is interesting because the actual ROM itself that's on the eShop is a little less finished than our version. Um, the other, it's also the reason why our fourth release that's coming up, a robot named Fight, which uh, pre-orders went live this summer, already closed. We're waiting for production right now. Um, they're putting that one, we had to wait for it because the developer, Matt, he decided that he wanted to add a whole cooperative mode to it. Mm. So you can play a Metroidvania, Super Metroid inspired game with four players simultaneously. It's insane. Now you don't all get to play as the fight, the Samus style robot character. Uh, they get little orbs and orbs that follow around and get to shoot things like a twin stick shooter. So it almost changes the aesthetics, the, the different gameplay mechanics, but that will be on the cartridge when we release it physically. Every single update, I think it's 11, the, the 11th version of the ROM or something. Uh, it's very interesting. And so, it's an interesting aspect when it comes to Nintendo Switch publishing. Um, during this panel, feel free to ask questions. 100% open book, uh, I will go into details. There are no NDAs on the Nintendo eShop or anything crazy, so we can 100% talk. Got it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, sure. How were you able to? Uh, what was the process like to be able to get the deal and all uh, from Nintendo or whoever you had to uh, talk to in order to get the publish of those games into the cartridge and the development of it? Ah, so the process. Um, I can go back as far as you want. Do you want me to go back to how Nintendo approved me? Or do you want me to talk about how we worked to the developer side to get their game on the cartridge? The Nintendo. The Nintendo thing. So, um, anybody can reach out to Nintendo. Um, I reached out to them right as the Switch took off in 2017. They approved me in 2020. Um, I have been a book publisher, uh, LLC company established for 10 years now. So I already had all of that established and it still took them three years to approve me to publish on the Switch. Um, they're almost, when it comes to the Wii U and the 3DS, they pretty much auto-approved my, my application, but the Switch one, it took them years. And then when 2020, during height of COVID, they just said, you're approved. I just went, well, I'm gonna try to make some stuff happen now. Would <laughs> it be because of the fact that, since considering that the Wii U was not as a great hit as Nintendo wanted to, and you know, and when they had the Switch, obviously the 3DS was dying down and all. Could yeah. that be the reason why now that, considering that the Switch, not only have we been getting bigger first-party games, but the fact that we got in so many third-party games in the Switch yeah. beyond any other previous Nintendo system in the past. Oh, I, I feel like the Nintendo Switch has been the easiest to port to for developers. Um, it's been the most supported by Nintendo. You can pretty much program in any 
base programming language and you can easily port it over to the Switch. I've seen NES games ported, like original NES titles ported over to the Switch using different packaging tools that people have created. So, I mean, I think, you know, going back to, to your question though, I do think that, you know, it, it has made things a little more streamlined, but also that's probably why it took them so many years to approve premium edition to, to be created because there's probably a lot of people putting in applications and they have to kind of vet each one appropriately. And there are rules there and restrictions is there on a fee, everything. Fee to apply? What's up? Is there a fee to apply? There is not a fee to apply. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's not a fee to apply. Um, you, you just go on their, their website and you apply for the publishing deal for it. But the one thing is, is Nintendo is notoriously obtuse when it comes to every aspect of what they do. So it's not easy at all to go from approved to physical in hand. Like it is a nightmare of red tape and craziness. And it's the funniest thing is, is that somebody told me it was one of our packaging companies. They said, well, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Because there's only three of us in the U.S. doing what I do right now at a small scale. One of them is limited run games, and they're not small scale anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they're not even close. Like, it's us and essentially a special reserve doing it. And we're the, we're the, yeah. we're the little guys doing the really cool passion projects retro style. I mean, they're oh, Yeah? How do you find your developers? How do we find our developers? That's a really great question, actually. Um, so we have a couple of unwritten rules that we use at Premium in order to sign a game or even reach out is that we all just have to love it. I mean, in reality. And then also, it has to be able to sell the minimum in the U.S., which is why there's so few of us. You have to do 5,000 minimum copies to sell. And it is super expensive from the Nintendo side because you have to pay for the cartridges up front. So that's why we do a pre-order window to gauge what sales we have. Um, but it's really, we've had developers reach out to us. Uh, we have a active Discord community um, on Premium where, where actual uh, community members give recommendations. There's like millions of recommendations. And then uh, one of my co-founders is JP Switch Mania, and he's insane, and reaches out to everybody. And goes, hey, I like this thing. And he talks to everybody and knows a lot of the developers. So that's kind of how we got linked up with um, like the guy who did Super Blood Hockey, which is Loren Lemke, but he got through to it through a digital distributor. And the difference is, is that there are, every single company, every single game developer has a different deal and a different situation on Nintendo Switch. So we have you know, five games that we've announced, actually technically six with the Kickstarter one, uh, which was Sunshine Anthology, that we supported those guys to make their second game. Um, they all have a different deal. Every single one is a little bit different for the Nintendo Switch. And like Super Blood Hockey has Digerati, so we go through Digerati, and they're the ones that we're working with. And then Loren Lemke, the developer, is involved through them because they helped him port it over. Whereas a robot named Fight that's upcoming, Matt is a sole programmer. He has a digital publisher, but he programmed everything, ported everything over. So everything goes to Matt. So it is, it is different for each one. It is really fun to do, but really difficult. <laughs> I just want to go back to what you just said. Sure. About the minimum sales. Oh, minimum sales are crazy. All right, so 
you guys buy the like blank cartridges from Nintendo, and you have to buy a minimum of a five thousand. See, see as I said, like Nintendo is so obtuse with it, and I'm an open book, so I'll tell you exactly how stuff's made. Um, so what you have to do after Nintendo on their on their portals, they have two portals: a publisher portal and a developer portal. The developer portal, you have to go on there and do a lock check process to get all the digital items approved. That requires an ESRB certificate, which is super expensive, by the way. Uh, and it's very intensive. We got to upload a certain amount of screenshots and everything. And the finalized ROM to pass lock check within all of their different like checks and balances and things. After you get done with that, then they have to go to the, the publisher portal and give myself access to it as the physical publisher because you can transfer publishing rights. Or they could create a brand new instance of the game with a brand new code and we can release it as its own unique thing that's separate from the digital, which developers have done both with us already, which is crazy. But once you get to that, you have to submit the labels to Nintendo for approval. That goes back and forth until it's the exact specifications in the exact file format that they want, which is super complicated. Like, you would think it would be easy to send them a, a PNG file or something. Like, oh no, they went to the depth of the ink density on the image. Oh, wow. Like, it was insane. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, was, I had approved labels for our, our third and fourth games, and they went back and forth after it was approved, say, oh, you gotta change this and change that, and every time you send them a response, it takes them a week to get back to you. Every single time. And so then after you do that, you get the label approved, then they do what's called a pro forma invoice. <coughs> I don't know if you've heard of that term before. <coughs> Essentially, they give you an official receipt that says, here's what you owe Nintendo, and then you send it over, you have to wire it over, because my bank doesn't allow me to do almost six digits of a wire to them from, from an app or anything. So I had to go to a bank. So I actually did a wire yesterday for our, our third and fourth games, which only takes a couple weeks after that point. So Nintendo, though, flashes the games themselves and does the labels just for the cartridges. Then comes every other piece of the items that you have to do. This right here has to be done by a Nintendo-approved packaging facility. There are about 20 to 30 that are on a list that you have to choose from on Nintendo's portal. And so we use a, a one out in Texas that are pretty awesome. Pretty expensive, but pretty awesome. Um, and then all the items that go inside of it, everything, every piece has to be approved by Nintendo. So it includes the, the different, like inserts as well as if we do on the interior which we print on the interior if you put the card inside of the box you have to get the card approved by nintendo technically everything with it but that's why some companies like limited run put theirs outside the box because it could be they just toss it in there whether they get it approved by nintendo or not i don't know i don't want to say they don't get it approved by nintendo because they might but everything that goes inside absolutely has to be approved by nintendo and that includes the manual and it's also why when I'm doing hardcover strategy guides, which we have a deluxe edition that is literally getting assembled right now. They had their week too late to bring it here. Um, but nobody wants to do hardcover strategy guides because Nintendo has to approve every single page. And we have, I think I did about 100, almost 220 pages of a strategy guide for the Pigeon Dev Games Collection with four different games. I broke it out from a speedrunner's perspective for that one with uh, 8-Bit Steve. He, was, uh, he did all of the different writing for it, and he's a speedrunner in the community. And so we went that route, but Nintendo approved it. 
It was a little bit of back and forth. It wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. I figured they would be pretty restrictive, but they weren't too bad. But every single piece has to be approved by Nintendo, which is craziness. And once you get all these different pieces approved, then you get it created. Now, they don't all have to be created at the Nintendo approved packaging facility. They have to do the Nintendo Switch case and the, uh, the ceiling. And now when I say this, US is the restriction for that, like within the US. You'll see some international releases that are a little bit suspect. You'll see a couple spines that aren't the right font. The font is specific. Like they have to approve the specific font. They have to approve the placement of the logos and everything. The, the text that goes inside here, the barcode, every single thing has to be exactly to their specification. Otherwise, they won't approve it. Uh, but when it comes to like, say for, for example, the instruction manual though, I can go to an indie guy that makes instruction manuals and they can print it for me if they can print it at a you know, better quality for a better price. Um, I'll, I'm always looking for you know, new people to do cool stuff and make cool stuff. And then they'll ship that in bulk to the packaging facility to put together. So we get everything put together at the packaging facility. That was a good question, though. How do, how do they enforce the 5000 Do they make you order a minimum of 5000 Yes, they do. So when they do the pro forma invoice, all I can order is 5,000 copies. Um, subsequent orders are 1000 though. So, like, say we wanted to do a reprint. We sold out a Super Blood Hockey, and there really isn't that many left on the website. I think it's under 80, um, which is crazy, out of 5000 um, I sold out here in the first two hours of the convention, which was crazy. Everybody's like, I need to get a copy. I need to get a copy. I'm like, with, which, with Pigeon Dev, they sent me another case, so I still have extra copies. Thank goodness. I have something on the table to show everyone. <laughs> but um, the thing is, is that you have to buy 5000 To do a reorder, um, the thing is, though, I could do 1000 but what you got to realize is in the terms of production, the more quantity, the cheaper it costs in a, in a hole, so that way I can keep the, the prices down. So you'll notice like all of our premium editions, which um, Barry, one of our team members, his wife was saying, you can't do anything regular, you're called premium edition. So you call your regular premium edition. So our premium editions though, will always be 40 bucks, because number one, it keeps it within the production standpoint, and it allows us to pay the developers. Uh, we're trying to make sure we take care of all the developers as we do this too, and it's also why we're going slow, and doing the challenges and things. Because um, when we do the challenge cards where you earn your patch and everything, like you're interacting with the developers. And so every time somebody was getting a Deathbringer patch, like Loren Lemke, the developer, is like commenting and talking, talking like how, how he created that death in the game or that version or that screenshot. And it's some crazy stuff. So yeah, so yeah, you have to buy 5,000 on Nintendo's website for the first one. So that's how they control it. Now, could I buy 5,000 cartridges and make 10 cases? It wouldn't be too financially smart, but you could do that. You don't have to make all the other pieces, but they do make you buy 5,000 of the cartridges. But they let you sell it without a case? Um, I don't, I, I think you would quickly lose your license if you did that. I think if they caught wind of people doing that, selling it without a case, that would be frowned upon. I, I haven't seen anybody try to do that before. It'd be weird. How do you come up with your ideas of creating uh, the contents or not, like the, the design, like, you know, what needs to be in, 
one needs to be, which one should we do, which one we don't want to uh, say like somewhat copy like what limited run or premium already did and all like you know what yeah like how, what's how's it uh, how do you come up with the ideas and all like you know like so coming up with the ideas so that's actually the the funnest part is that I work with the developer so I talk with like Super Blood Hockey I'm like hey what kind of art do you want for this and he's like huge Blades of Steel fan huge NES ice hockey so the manual inside the game is actually mirrored and designed based on NES Ice Hockey's manual, because I have it. And so I was literally looking at all the different pieces down to the text orientation. The one thing Nintendo didn't allow me to keep in was I put don't lick the cartridge. I said don't blow on the cartridge. I said don't lick the cartridge <laughs> on there, like in the same exact spot. They didn't let me keep that. They also didn't let me put the seal of approval on the front of this box. Um, I wanted the Nintendo seal of approval here, and they're like, well, you can't do that. I'm like, but your Fire Emblem box has that. Well, that's first party. I'm like, but all third party on the NES had it. Like, I was trying. I tried. Every back and forth with them was like a week. So I was like, I got to get this, get this box stuff. <laughs> but I wanted to do it. And so for this, this was our first retro box that we designed. And I'm like, so at Black Box made sense to do for our first one. And then the second, the second retro was based off of Blades of Steel with a Konami-style silver with modern retro aesthetics. Um, another cool thing is, is that with Super Blood Hockey, the artist here, as well as the artist that did the interior of the switch case, the actual insert, was the sound, the guy who made the music and the sound designer in the game. And his name's Sean Daly, and he's a comic book artist. So he did the comic book that we put inside of our retro edition, did the art for his own soundtrack, and he did the case. So if we have an opportunity where there's a legendary artist that's already involved, yeah, you're going to do the case, right? He's like, yeah, I'll do the case. And he makes the cool stuff. Um, the other things that we do is I've been doing and playing games forever, all the way from Pong and Atari. That's why we're doing Activision-style patches. Um, but I also take inspiration from all the different pieces that I grew up with. And some of our members, too. So Erica, one of our team members, wanted to do a retro TV design for Pigeon Dev Games Collection. And then she designed the interior to be a CRT television inside the Steelbook. And so that was completely her. So we, we definitely take inspiration and take input from all of our team members and the community that's in our Discord. We definitely interact with them. They come up with cool ideas, too. Um, for a robot named Fight... It was based off of Super Metroid. So I took things to another level when I started doing Series 2. So we have a artist that we commissioned. His name's Justin, Justin Siebel. And he does his art on canvas, on wooden canvas. And so I told him, I was like, what I want is I want something similar to Samus fighting on the Super Metroid box, but fight from Robot Named Fight fighting one of the bosses. And he painted on a canvas. So when I took that canvas, I scanned it in like they did during, back in the day, Nintendo scanned in and added the copy later. So I scanned in his canvas, put it on there, added all the copy digitally, and that's how I created the retro box. It's up on my banner over on my table on the top. That's how I did the landscape style Super Nintendo inspired box for a robot named Fight, just to make it a Super Metroid style game. And that game has four infinite billion combinations uh, to play. So you never play the same game twice. So like Robot Named Fight is a, a different beast. 
And like then we have games like Demon's Tear Plus, and Demon's Tear Plus is like a gauntlet style game. So I went for NES gauntlet style aesthetics, um, and they wanted a landscape box as well, and they already had some amazing art that they had created. And it's just, it's another one that was just popped out at me and looks amazing. Then I had Justin do the interior of the Switch case for it. Yeah? So, is, so does your company provide development costs for the porting process? What, what kind of really support do you guys give on really, marketing? Yeah, that's a really good question when it comes to uh, the porting process. So typically, the games we've been releasing have already been available on the eShop. So essentially, like for example, Robot Name 5 was released two years ago. Um, Pitch and Dev Games Collection was already Sometimes You is the digital publisher, the digital d- publisher side, and they've already ported the games over. Um, we don't currently have a porting team, but we are looking into uh, finding some, some programmers that can port from like Unity over to the Switch because we have had people reach out to us uh, that haven't had the ability and they would like to get their games over. We have a couple of developers from even other Nintendo consoles that are looking to get them ported over and they don't have the, the capabilities or the time because they're working on new games. So uh, we, we haven't done any porting yet, uh, but we have worked with a lot of digital publishers that have already done the porting. There's no fee for the resubmission, even though it's on digital, right? And you said, like, you put it into the portal and it has to go through a different lock check. Isn't there a fee associated with that? Like, there's none? Okay. No, there are, so the Nintendo fees come from the ridiculous price that you pay per cartridge. Um, so to put things for it, into a perspective, the cheapest Nintendo Switch cartridge you can buy, which is a game that's under four gigabytes, costs $8 times 5,000. <laughs> and I just had to do two game orders. <laughs> and Robot Game Fight somehow went over four, megabyte, four gigabytes, which the digital ROM was only 1.5, but somehow when they did the, the physical version, it's over four gigabytes. So it's even more expensive. So, but like that's how they get their, their cost in check. And then from a publisher perspective though, I still, after they ship it, I still have to receive it with a receiving company. There's a logistics company that I have uh, a retainer with to bring it into the States to, sh- to get it shipped to the packaging facility to get packaged up. And then I have a warehouse that ships it all out um, because my wife would kill me if I put a million games in my garage and then shipped them all out forever. Yes. I tried that with the books for the first one and she's like, never again. Because <laughs> like my complete NES book, it just filled up our garage and I was shipping out books for like a couple weeks. She's like, no, we're not doing this again. <laughs> and my Super Nintendo book ended up being 630 pages, so. <laughs> That is insane. But yeah, yeah, it's a it's an interesting perspective when it comes to logistics on the Switch. And there's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah. Um, one thing on the art piece too, going uh, back to what you were asking about how we create things. Um, at conventions, going around, I've met a bunch of artists. And so this artist is the artist who does Mortal Kombat. He did the Mortal Kombat Dragon. And he's done tons and tons of things. He does all of our slipcases. So every single slipcase that's released on our website is going to be done by Paul E. Niemeyer, the artist who did the Mortal Kombat Dragon. He's also done Super Pac-Man. He's done tons and tons of movie posters and pop culture things and everything. But he's most notably known for in the gaming circles, especially convention circles, for Mortal Kombat. 
Um, but he's done all of our pieces. This one I said I wanted some, you know, very bright visuals, like almost Tron aesthetics. Uh, and then when it came to some of the other ones, I was like, I told him old school gauntlet for, uh, for Demon's Tear Plus, and he drew this amazing piece. And then he based it off of real people, real cosplayers and things, some of the different pieces. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, uh, when you're developing the game, has it always been a challenge or difficulty to try to sell games even though some people might have already bought it or they've already been released early digitally uh, yeah. and considering that it was much cheaper and all like mm-hmm. why do I need to pay like 60 bucks for all of this if I could get if I just wanted the game and I could get it for like five bucks at most yeah that, and that's the crazy thing right is like to me I always thought that you know digital would take over but as a collector because I'm buying everything from Rip limited run from special reserve strictly limited from super rare um and some of those are overseas there's only three stateside including me but um there's just people that want their things physically and my thing was is if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it right exactly how we remember it if they would allow me to put a little like styrofoam block underneath my i would because that's what i did with my nintendo releases i mean don't get me wrong i uh, i like i buy both physical and digital depends on the game of course yeah but at the same time of course you know you know you you might not uh maybe you haven't gotten the game and then when they eventually announce oh we're doing not only a physical but we're holding all, all this extra stuff you might consider well maybe i'll consider buying the game. yeah and from time to time, it does happen to me from uh, from from me too. Like you know, mm-hmm. like when they release it first on digitally, and then I haven't had a chance to buy it. But eventually, uh, a little time later, when they and it depends on how much time has passed and all. Of course, yeah. they eventually announce, "Oh, we're doing a physical, but we're also doing extra and all." So I'm like, "Okay, so I might consider that because you know, there's always a little extra yeah. stuff and all." You know, some people. And you're like, talking also on like the eShop, you'll have sales. Right, for the game, so you can get the game cheaper, I think. Well, when yeah, it's uh, when it's on discount, but even on regular price, it's like... What we did with this one? Four games. So, like, these games right here with Pigeon Dev, like, we could do awesome P1 and 2, and they've released them individually or, or together as a two-pack on... They were, I think they did individually on Vita and a two-pack on the PS4 for awesome P1 and 2. But what we, what we said was, is let's do a multi-application card. You could do up to four games... And the same developer released all four on the Switch. That way it's a good value, too, outside of it. So that way you get a good value for your, your games. Um, most of our games aren't super, like, cheap. Like, because that's the one thing. So we got to love the game, right? Our other thing is it can't be, like, a dollar game on, on the eShop because why are you going to pay 39 extra dollars for all the, the add-ons, right? And it costs... To do all the pieces that we're doing, it costs a you know more than if we would just put a case and a single-sided art print and nothing else inside. Like it costs for all the different pieces, so it wouldn't be financially viable for us to do all these different pieces for a game that's just a dollar on the eShop. Um, that's why we would start doing multiple games, and even four-dollar games would be would be tough. Um, but if they would allow us to put like 20 games on, they only allow us to do four. If they allow us to put like 20 games on there, I would do it. Oh. Fills up your entire Switch with all the icons. That'd be hilarious. Oh, okay. yeah. So how do you compete against like limited run games or do you feel like the marketplace is big enough where you, you all can coexist? So, so the key is, is you don't compete with limited run. They're, they're a beast. <laughs> like, yeah, we definitely don't try. We just do our own thing. 
so that's our main thing is is that we're creating experiences essentially right so we're doing all the different pieces we have our own challenge cards and the challenge patch piece we have a community that we do we also go a lot slower purposely so we're only doing a couple games every six months that way it allows not only us to focus on the games because i feel like on some of the websites even limited run it's like there was a game released yesterday, but it was there was all the Shante stuff and then this other little game. And I, I had to like Google it, look it up, had no info. I'm like, oh, this is an RPG. This is pretty damn cool. Okay, I would like this. And I had to like do my own research. But if we go a little slower, we can talk about it for, you know, we do like our own direct. We talk about the games. We can post. We post posts about it. We do a... I do the Switch Mania Playcast every week where I talk, do a podcast where we talk about Switch. We can talk, we do an episode on it, talk about it there, do interviews with the developers throughout the pre-order windows. Um, I do developers, so Robot Name 5, I'm doing a developer's journal with Matt Bittner, the creator, and we're actually going from all the way when he conceptualized the game six, seven years ago when he did a Flash game called The Robot Name Fight. And then to where it became a robot named Fight went on to the you know, modern consoles and everything, the whole evolution. We're going to do that whole thing. So it allows me to do that. It allows me to create different aspects that other companies aren't doing to kind of just you know preserve it a little bit better, do right by the games, make it an experience. Um, not to say that the other companies aren't doing that, but I feel like everybody's going a little too fast. And then you're waiting for a year to get your games in because they got so many things going along. And as I mentioned earlier, it is a damn nightmare to publish on the Switch. There's a lot to it. So if I'm sitting there trying to juggle seven different releases, something's going to be paused that I'm going to miss. Whereas if I do two or three, I'm not going to miss anything. I'm going to be able to keep on track for all of those things. I agree with you about what you said about Lemon around like you know always posting like yeah. like like you said you know like one minute uh, they just announced the game and all and then yeah. uh, they might have released it and then all of a sudden they announced oh we're gonna have this and all but obviously of course it's gonna be much mm-hmm. much later and obviously you never know exactly when it takes out and like I said uh, just yesterday or two days ago when during QuakeCon when they announced that Quake the, was remastered and came that to the Switch. Cool. <laughs> Which, by the way, I just play it. I love Quake. I'm a huge fan oh, of that series. Love Quake. Uh, and, of course, Limited Run just announced uh, this whole premium edition with all these extra goodies. That, uh, Limited Run. Yeah, yeah, announced yeah. it. And, you know, but I think I agree with you on saying that, you know, you always, uh, you never know. Uh, it's always like a surprise release and all. And you talk about, but of course, with you guys, you know, you take your time slowly and all, and it's a good thing too because you know you get people invested in it, and you know you're at least trying to make your promise and all, and say, hey, we're going to make sure we get this on time. We're going to yeah. be very detailed about what's going to be in it and all, instead of like just, oh, this is what we have and that's it. Well, and like with our first two, it took a little bit to get through all the hurdles, and somehow Texas had a damn blizzard while they were assembling our stuff, which was crazy. <laughs> like, like of course we're gonna have a blizzard when we're trying to get our games assembled. It was so weird. But this time we just did pre-orders in July. We're right now ordering in August, and they'll in like two to three weeks those things will be produced by Nintendo and shipped to the facility. Every other item is already approved with Nintendo because I've already done it. And so then they're gonna start assembling. We could be shipping in September. Like that's two months waiting for a pre-order. For both both Demon Sphere Plus and Robot Name Fight, including we had a variant where we worked with um, Retro Fighters, and they have their own 
version. They, just, they were like, hey, we'll buy half the print run. We'll pay for the production of it. And we're like, we'll work with you. That's cool. We do an open, we, we warned them, we do an open pre-order. So if it sells more than 5,000, like we'll make 6,000 or whatever people want. We want people to be able to buy our games. But um, yeah, so literally all of that will be, the premiums will be potentially shipping in September. And then the retros, um, it takes a little bit for the steelbook. For a robot named Fight's going to have a steelbook in it. It's going to be glow in the dark. It's going to be ridiculous. Oh, oh yeah. Um, it looks like Fight's like getting meat tentacles and like like getting crushed. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, but that's the thing, though, is that like that one will take a little bit. And then we're doing these oversized character stat cards, kind of similar to what Dragon Warrior had back in the day for Demon Steer Plus. And there's going to be eight of those. And they're going to be like... I think five inches by seven inches, and they'll fit like perfectly inside of the retro box with a jewel case CD because we want to make sure that you know it's it's a nice hefty release. Um, so that one right there, we're we're trying to find a really good quality because I don't just want to make a card and like if I can make it so it pops out in 3D and stuff, I'm gonna try to do that, try to do cool stuff with it. And so that's kind of the thing too is that we're trying to take things and put it over the top and do really fun things. And it's not necessarily going to be, you know, the cheapest thing to do. Oh, that broke, I don't know. <laughs> in my computer. Um, but it's not gonna be the cheapest thing to do, but like we're still gonna try to keep it at the price point that's affordable for gamers. And the other thing is though, is like a, a limited run, they're, they're, they're making a lot of money, they're diversifying, they're doing all types of different game systems, all the different aspects. Um, I could do that if we, you know, hired on more team members and things, but I'm doing all the physical stuff myself right now with input from the team members. And we got a, like Erica, she does awesome work too, but I'm doing a lot of the idea pieces and it'll start to lose that luster if we start to have five, seven people doing what I'm doing and I can't, you know, do, do all of the pieces the way I'm currently doing it, it might not feel the same. So we gotta be very careful with who we bring on our team. We gotta be very careful how we expand. Because um, in the end, the real goal is become a third party and have our own programmers making our own games too. Like making our own stuff the way we wanna make them and, and actually being a legitimate third party developer for the Switch that has a physical aspect to it as well. And I mean, I, I know people from all over and a lot of the developers, when they come with us, uh, we say they're part of the family essentially. So when we sign, like, so when Loren Lemke did Super Blood Hockey, he's working on another game. Loren wants to work with us for the next game. And I already have ideas because it has Rampage aesthetics and I know the artist from Rampage. So like, might be a Rampage cover cover for that one by the original artist. And for the tribute to Rampage. <laughs> yeah. Um. You've been mostly talking about publishing for Nintendo. Have you looked into Sony or Microsoft Xbox and how different they are to deal with the Nintendo? Or <laughs> so, similar? so the rumors are that Nintendo, as obscure and as crazy as they are, Sony's even harder. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Microsoft's a nightmare. Oh, jeez. And so what I've done is, is that I do this as a hobby, believe it or not. This is like fun stuff that I do. So when I decide to, you know, when we decide to make this the, the full-time deal, we'll start looking into that stuff. But right now, because I work a full-time job, too, on top of all this. Um, and I enjoy doing both, but my full-time job, I can potentially retire in four years. So the five-year plan for premium was, all right, so we diversify, start publishing and creating games. I feel like that would be the fun diversification. 
Um, but I am a Nintendo guy. I mean, I have a Nintendo tattoo on the back of my leg. So, um, would I would I release it on other platforms? Absolutely. But um, right now, I don't have the time or the facilities to try to learn, especially when people tell me it's so complicated. It's like, man, I'm pulling my my hair that what's left of my hair out uh, when I'm doing Nintendo stuff. Like, what am I gonna do with what am I gonna do if like Sony does the same craziness? And I heard that the minimums for Xbox for physical were ridiculous. Oh, uh, like yeah. lots. I think I can understand why, because if you think about it. Microsoft Xbox barely does any indie games, and you know they're not yeah. as wide expansion. They're very detailed and all, and so and considering it's owned by Microsoft, of course, yeah. and then for PlayStation, of course, because they're owned. Even though you see some uh, some indie games up there, obviously, again, they're like very detailed and everything. And Their minimums are a lot less though than Nintendo, so that's why you see like a lot of PS4 like smaller games getting some physical yeah, stuff. Yeah, at the same time, at least with Nintendo, you yeah. see them expanding, like, you know, bringing all of these. They even do, like, special directional exclusive. I almost call things. Nintendo exactly what Microsoft was doing in the 360 era. Because that's what got me into, like, indie gaming a lot, was Xbox 360 with the with the art, live arcade and everything. That was amazing. That's how I played Super Meat Boy for the first time. I was oh. going nuts with it. And like Nintendo picked up the slap during this generation, and now the Switch is like insane. It's like my go-to system because I play retro stuff. But it's like okay, well, it's almost all on the Switch, at least somewhat. And now my backlog is so ridiculous that I don't even know if I'll have enough time in the lifetime to play all my Switch games, let alone every other system I own. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, if you think about, it, I mean, the Switch is the ultimate home slash uh, mobile. A gaming system, and, yeah. and again, because like you said, because they have so much indie game, you can play as many of you want on the go, anywhere you yeah. had to know. So you know, and you always have like all these like collections and all of that, and that's why uh, maybe that's why you might have a uh, Nintendo is a lot a bit more easier to do these types of games that you want to bring. Well, the, the pool is infinite because I mean I'm doing on the publisher side because I do Hagen's Alley Books where I'm publishing books. Um, I'm doing a Switch Collector series. So I'm doing year by year of the Switch, and then volume one is the first year. Volume two is the first half of the second year. And I'm covering digital-only games that we would like to see get a physical. And it's huge. That section's gigantic, and there's so many amazing games that don't have a physical release. I mean, heck, South Park, the, the, um, the first South Park game. The Stick of Truth. It does not have a physical. Yeah. The, the fractured butthole does, and I think the original version had a slip of paper so you could download it, but there is no actual physical cartridge for Stick of Truth. On Switch. On Switch. Because so there, there is a physical. Yeah, exactly. And so from my perspective as premium, if they came to me and said, publish it, sure, I would publish it, but I would rather preserve something that hasn't been preserved on another medium if I could um, first, because there's infinite games. But there's an example. We covered it on the Playcast this week that we uploaded. But we each played a game, all three members of the Playcast. And JP played this game called World to the West. And it's a, you have four different characters. It's like Zelda. And there's a heavy emphasis on puzzles. But it's in the Tesla Grant universe. And it doesn't have a physical. And I mean, we're already talking to the developers. That's how we got the, the codes to play it. And I'm like... This game was released during year one, 2017, and nobody knows about it, that it's in that universe. It's a very general title, 
we're like, why doesn't this happen? That's the stuff we're looking at. We're like, what are these games that are out there that are an amazing gaming experience? The art's amazing. The music's amazing. And we're like, it just got overlooked because there's so many Nintendo indie games out there that things are getting missed, overlooked, or you get people that cover it on their, their YouTube channels and they move on to the next thing and it gets like pushed away because there's Switch-related YouTube channels that are covering so much stuff now because there's so much stuff coming out and they're just pushing out stuff. I remember um, there's a game like Hades. When Hades came out, it was like they played it and it was the next game. And I'm like, I've been playing Hades for like weeks now. This is amazing. Like, why are we moving on? And then the physical came and I was very happy about that. But I was like, that's how the community is, and a lot of stuff is getting left behind. Uh, in our Series 3, we announced a Cathedral, which Cathedral was highlighted on the Nintendo Indie Showcase that you were alluding to, that Nintendo's pushing out. And there's another game that we're having stacked with it. It's like a hidden gem. We haven't announced it yet, so JP and, and Barry and the other team members would kill me if I said what the game was. But it is a amazing experience it's so good and when we pair that one with it it's a perfect hand-in-hand game and it's like how do people not know about this game and i mean some of the games are released on steam first too i mean that's how we found out about camp sunshine which is on my my billboard that's at my table camp sunshine is like you're playing i don't know like a survival horror in on the super nintendo and getting chased by killer teddy bear and he's talking smack like like Freddy. We played it on, on Steam, and we're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm bringing it to Switch. And by the way, I'm going to take its sequel, Sunshine Manor, to Kickstarter. And like, hey, do you want to support us? And I said, yeah, I'll absolutely support, you know, that game. It's awesome. And, like, we'll just do our own physical later. You can tell them on the Kickstarter. You can even have – they're doing their own variant cover. Um, with that one, going on the artistic aspects – that developer said his dream artist would be Graham Humphreys, who created the original posters for like classic movies like Evil Dead, Nightmare on Elm Street. And within like a day, JP had the guy, and we already had a art being commissioned. So that's the big poster that's on my table, is by Graham Humphreys. That's the Sunshine Manor. That's gonna be an exclusive case, so it'll be exclusive for the Kickstarter backers like this, but, we're going to have, because it's only Manor, we're going to have Sunshine Manor on the, on our slipcase. And on the other side, Paul Niemeyer is going to do his for Camp Sunshine. Because he only drew Sunshine Manor. So we're going to have a double flip, and then there will be two different spines. So you can actually flip it either way for it when you, when you display it on, the, on there. So you can display either side, which would be pretty cool. So that, that's one piece where we get to have fun with it, too. And it was really cool to be able to, to push that out there. So... When's the predicted release for that, for Camp Sunshine? So Camp Sunshine, um, we were waiting on Camp Sunshine to get ported, which is done, and we were waiting on Sunshine Matter to, to finish the coding. They did the Kickstarter last fall, I think they announced it around Halloween. Their goal was to have it uh, released on the eShop by Halloween. So they, they are still on target to get it out by then, but there's gonna be some bug testing on the eShop. Now, for a physical, Remember, I talked about complete on cart earlier. So what we don't want to do is immediately put that digital on a cartridge and then there's some kind of game-breaking bug and then you can't beat a boss or something. Like, I want to make sure, and they're beta testing it like tons, but I want to make sure that we put the most complete version out there because if they want to expand and add DLC or something, we're going to wait a little bit before we do our physical launch of it. 
So we got to be very careful. And that will be a two-game on one cartridge, too. So both Camp Sunshine and Sunshine Manor will both be on the same cartridge. And you pop it in, two different icons for it. Again, like it's, we're calling it the Sunshine Anthology. And so that'll be interesting. And then they're saying that, and I, I'm trying to fight against it, but they're saying that they want one challenge patch in the Kickstarter version and a different challenge patch in our version for each game, which means only those backers that backed it could get that one challenge. But I like everybody to be able to compete for all of our stuff. So I'm going to try to figure out a way. <laughs> I'm going to try to figure out a way because I don't want to exclude everybody else. Just those, you know, the few people that knew about that. Because the hardest thing, being a small indie developer, is getting outside of the collector circles that we already live in. So like Premium and JP, Switch and JP, we live in the Switch Core community and all this different sector. But then there's every other gamer out there that doesn't know about those communities. And they're like, oh, Super Blood Hockey looks ridiculous. You can like... You know, knock out people on the ice and have a whole competitive mode. And then they don't know about the Pigeon Dev Games collection and all the different Awesome P games. Because some people have heard about Awesome P on like the Metal Jesus Rocks channel or something. And then they're like, oh, there's other games that they've developed. But finding out about that later and then realizing, oh, by the way, there's an Unintanium patch that exists. Like, to me, that again, the hipster artist in me, when I'm creating things, I kind of want to make sure everybody has a chance to experience what we're doing. That's been some really good questions, by the way. Definitely enjoying it. How much time we got? Oh, I still have a little bit of time. Cool. All right, so um, one piece that we're doing, too, is that we do the uh, deluxes, right? So I alluded to the deluxes where it's going to be a hardcover strategy guide. But it's not just a hardcover strategy guide. Like, I have books on my table. Um, it's, it's gilded in silver, what that means is the outside of it has silver to it, it's shiny. You can see your reflection in it, it's ridiculous. And then it's like a tactile, kind of like this, you can like feel it. Uh, it's like a soft touch book and then it's like shiny and you can feel like the 3D touch of the book. And then that book is paired with a Neo Geo AES case. And not only is it a Neo Geo AES case, it's created at the facility overseas where they created the original Neo Geo AES cases because I found them. So we're doing that for the, for the Pigeon Dev Games collection. And that's the same size that our strategy guide is. So they both fit together in an oversized hardcover slipcase. So the thing is like huge, by the way. It's huge, it's ridiculous. This fits perfectly inside. And then there's gonna be the CD soundtrack kind of like we have here for Super Blood Hockey. There's one for Pigeon Dev Games that goes in there perfectly. And a hard enamel pin. And so each one of the deluxes we're doing we're trying to do unique special things. Um, Robot Named Fight's going to have a special surprise item in it. And if you're, uh, if you're at this convention and you see what's like behind where my table is with all of the different games, something like that that we have that we're putting in there, which is really cool. It's part of like an existing set and they have a Robot Named Fight version. And I'm like, I'm able to put that in our deluxes, which is really cool. Um, one thing I did allude to, I know we were talking about earlier, uh, with a couple people, is that our premiums of a robot named Fight are completely sold out. Uh, we do a pre-order window, right? Like I said, to see. But we order the minimum. During the pre-order window, completely sold out, and our version uh, won't be in hand just for the premium. Now, there will be retros, 
there will be the deluxes, which will have the premium inside of it because it's like a big puzzle right here that we create, right? So the, all of our premiums go inside the retro. All the retros go inside the deluxe. So that version will still be in there and we'll have a few copies. When they get in hand, they will be up on the site. So that is one thing. There is a Retro Fighters variant. It doesn't have Paul Niemeyer's art on the slipcase, but the slipcase art looks amazing. But that those will be in stock still because um, I talked with Retro Fighters and they said they still have copies. When, so when they get them in hand, it'll go online and it'll be uh, available for pre-order. But I like to always be transparent with every aspect of premium, regardless if I'm like disappointed that more people can't get the copies. That being said, once we completely run out of any game, if we'll do a wait list, and if we get enough people on the wait list, we'll order another thousand copies. It has to get up to a thousand copies, and we have to order them from Nintendo. We're not creating limited, you know, um, amounts of games just for limited sake. We're doing it from a production perspective so we can continue making more games. My thing is though, from a creator, I'm moving on and not thinking about the previous stuff. So that's when. You know, JP and my team members are gonna be like, hey, no, no, we need to we need to release another one of these. And I'm like, but I'm working on series, whatever, <laughs> the next pieces. So, really fun now, really fun thing. Any other questions before we wrap up? Sure. Oh, wait, we'll go yeah. over. Yeah, no, you can go first. Number one, Shadows for Cathedral. That game's amazing. Oh. I push it on everybody, I can't. But uh, I know those- Does everybody know about Cathedral? You should. Nope. Like so, it has Metroidvania, you know, Castlevania slash Metroid, with tributes to Shovel Knight, and it is a bit a bit ridiculous when it comes to the power up systems. And as you progress through the game, um, there are multiple different armors that you can. So you start with the red armor, you can get to the gray armor, and different abilities and things. It's so good. And the developer is very active in our Discord channel. He's been talking with everybody. Yeah, I've chatted with him sometimes. That that's actually my my question. I yeah, I think he's based. They're based in Norway or Europe or somewhere. Do you run into like language barrier issues talking with developers or <laughs> any type of cultural stuff? Oh, especially when you deal with because we have to do contracts for everything, right? To make oh, sure yeah. everything is, is sure. legal and on the up and up. And so when it deals with Nintendo and how confusing they are, and I go, hey, so just so you know, like we need to have an ESRB and stuff. Oh, we have an ESRB. Oh, cool, so that'll save us, because it costs like $3,000 to upgrade an ESRB. But then when you talk to them, they're like, oh, it just had the ESRB rating. This was the IARC digital version that's much cheaper. And then so the language barrier will hit you with that, and that's not, that, that could be a US-based release too but then we got to make sure we get it ported over properly and then it adds a couple weeks of different back and forth to make sure that the the game meets the esrb standards and classifications um and like i said with pigeon dev the developer is russian and she doesn't read or speak english at all there you go so and i did a whole strategy guide we have a whole interview with her and everything and so with that one we go through the digital distributor Sometimes you. And they literally converse with the developer and they make sure everything that she wants in the game is taken care of and they're happy with everything. And we give every developer uh, the, the final say on things too to make sure all of the items meet what they want to do. Um, I've been going back and forth with Matt Bittner on Robot Name Fight on every aspect. We're going through all the minute details of that strategy guide with four billion combinations. That is a, a beast. Um, and 
we may or may not be doing a, a strategy guide for Cathedral. We haven't announced yet whether we are or not. So that'll be fun. Hey, so I know Dean already said that it's already difficult to try to port the digital version of the game into the physical version yeah. of the cartridge. Is it also difficult to try to, because uh, uh, unlike most of the other consoles that said the Switch, you have like multiple options about how you want to play with the controllers, you know, if you wanted to do with the two joystick sticks, and the one joystick here, the pro and the, or the pro controller, mm -hmm. or if it's, it's always difficult to do that, like, you know, try to, you know, make sure that not only that you give the people uh, the opportunity to have alternative uh, controller base, like, you mm -hmm. know, like if they wanted to try, if you want to play like this, or they want to play like that, you know. Sure. Um, so you're talking about the different control mechanisms within the game. So they actually do that when they program the game initially when they're porting it to the eShop. So they have to have every single specification of what the game does broken out. So whether it has pro controller support, whether it has tabletop support versus handheld support versus console support. Yeah. It has to have all of those things already um, established. The only time is if we added a, an exclusive thing to the physical, but usually that's hashed out already before they're make, pushing it over to do a um, physical of that game. Uh, but yeah, like that is a complex piece. And it also, like if they support online, if they support other different pieces to it. Because if it has an internet connection, like a scoreboard, that requires a live internet connection and Nintendo has to be able to monitor and make sure that that thing isn't going to, I don't know, uh, hack into somebody's eShop account or something. Like it has to be, make sure everything has to be checked and balanced. And some of the games that we have do have um, online leaderboards and things. Yeah. I mean, there's online um, aspects to Robot Name Fight. You can play death matches. Metroid death matches. Ridiculous. Well, I think I am right at time. Um, so thanks everybody for coming and checking out the panel. I will be, you know, at my table all weekend just talking, talking about games and stuff. Um, I'm just here to hang out. I'm, you know, invited here as a guest just to talk about what I do on the Switch. Um, our website is premiumeditiongames.com. That's where we have all of our stuff available. Um, there's a link to the Discord where you can get the invite right at the top of it, so you can check that out. Um, our support email, if anybody has questions. Um, usually, we're very, very specific with what, when our releases are coming out and things. For example, the deluxes of the Pigeon Dev Games Collection are right now at the packaging facility. We're literally waiting for a production date. Should be Wednesday, but they haven't confirmed it yet, which means they'll be shipping out like Friday next week to all the backers, which includes some people bundled Super Blood Hockey with it, so they're waiting for Super Blood Hockey. Um, so that's where it'll be interesting because we have about 80 copies left on the website and Then we have all the ones that are tied up with pre-orders that we're going to be shipping out soon too So I like to be very very uh, transparent with what we do um, that way everybody's part of the community and you know We have fun with it. Thanks everybody and I'll uh, see you around the convention Now I can drink more caffeine